everyone. I am Nora, and I'm here with Anna and Alexandra. And we would like to welcome you guys to the second episode of the Social Solutions Podcast, where we discuss social issues in the state of Washington. In this series, we are answering the question, how can the Washington state government improve long-term solutions for victims of domestic violence and abuse? As we go forward in our research to answer this question, we need to address and evaluate the opposing views. That's why in today's episodes, we will be discussing the other side of the domestic violence issue. Anna will be introducing our first source. Yeah, thanks for the introduction, Nora. So a really valuable source for this discussion that I found was the Washington State Coalition Against Domestic Violence. This source is a great source because it is a government organization and it gives reliable, recent information on the domestic violence issue. It is also based in Washington, so it makes it even more applicable to our main research question about solving domestic violence in Washington State. The main contents of the source is a list of domestic violence-related bills in 2021 that were either passed or failed to pass. This information can tell us what the topics of debate are and what people disagree on when it comes to domestic violence in Washington. An example of a bill that failed to pass was a bill called Crime Victim Notification Bill. This bill would expand the eligible crimes for the Department of Corrections to include domestic violence and some other crimes as well. It would give the survivors more time to plan safety before their abuser was released. The fact that this, that it failed to pass shows that people disagree on this topic and there needs to be more discussion and convincing done to be able to pass this bill in the future. People either don't recognize the importance of decreasing domestic violence or they don't seem to think that it's worth the cost. Another important bill on domestic violence that failed to pass was the Unemployment Insurance Qualification Bill. This bill would change the good cause quits, which is a list of reasons you can quit a job and still qualify for unemployment insurance. This bill would make unemployment insurance more accessible to domestic violence survivors who are struggling to make enough money, especially in the pandemic. This bill is vital in decreasing domestic violence in Washington state because it can help survivors support themselves financially and not have to think about going back to their abusive partner for financial support. Some other bills which failed to pass that I'd like to also mention are the Youths Who Commit Sexual Offenses which takes more serious action on sexual offenses done by individuals 
under the age of 18, and the Survivor's Justice Act, which provides alternative sentencing for domestic violence survivors and can decrease a survivor's sentence in some cases. It is meant to help especially those survivors who are not deemed to be the stereotypical perfect victim. That is a great explanation, Anna. I was wondering, how do you think the first bill that you explained, the Crime Notification Victim Bill, expanding the eligible crimes for the Department of Corrections would affect victims? Well, I think because it would allow people to feel safer, knowing that the people that are threatening others are not free to be able to continue their threats and criminal acts. Mm-hmm. Although these crimes seem small to the state, they might negatively affect the victim life, the victim's life in major ways. Overall, it would increase safety and decrease the number of crimes that, I mean, the number of criminals that um, abuse and threaten other people. Thank you, Anna, for sharing your article and your mm-hmm. alternative viewpoints on domestic violence in Washington State. Yeah. Now, Alexandra will be discussing her source by Florida newspaper. Yeah, thank you so much, Nora. Um, in the article that I found by a South Florida newspaper, specifically South Sentinel, they reported on Florida's Domestic Violence Coalition and their misuse of public money. This isn't about Washington, but one can't ignore the fact that this isn't something that many taxpayers and fiscally conservative people worry about. Money is important to a lot of people, especially knowing where their own goes. While many can agree that domestic violence is a problem, there's more hesitance and pushback once it comes to allocating funds for possible solutions to domestic violence. What happened in Florida last year, 2020, is proof that what they fear is something that can very well happen. The Florida Coalition Against Domestic Violence was accused of misspending millions of dollars in public money with little to no effect in domestic violence in Florida. This is not to say their solutions weren't working, but that there were no solutions. The former CEO, Tiffany Carr, was awarded an annual salary of $761,560 by the board of directors, who should have been overseeing and holding accountable the organization to begin with. Essentially, the coalition has been very frivolous with money, from state and federal government. The former CEO seemingly to prioritize perks such as 360 days of paid time off, salary bonuses of 200,000 for exemplary performance, and even funding for executive retreats. Reading through this article, the doubt that many feel that creates the pushback against services like the one Florida's Coalition Against Domestic Violence is supposed to provide, isn't so unbelievable. What is the point of funding our taxpayer money towards these resources if they are not even going to go to those who need them? 
So I do understand their point of view, you know? That being said, this isn't about me. It is ultimately the domestic violence victims that are the ones getting the short end of the stick. This is not about our money, as important as that is, but the people who are already suffering and require relief desperately. The ones to blame are the higher-ups who are not doing their job. That is where the focus needs to be on. While there is one organization not doing what it's meant for, there are hundreds and even millions that are constantly providing resources to domestic violence victims, and they do need money to continue their efforts. Uh, so I actually have a question to you, Alexandra. Of course. Um, what do you think the government can do better to enforce productivity in these programs and make sure that they're actually doing their jobs? Also, in what ways can corruptive leaders be held accountable for their actions? Uh, those are both really good questions. Um, in the article, actually, it also mentions possible solutions to prevent incidents like this in the future. In general, there needs to be more oversight for private organizations like the one mentioned. There should be more scrutiny involved in the hiring process so these roles are not just limited to people with connections, you know, as well as mm -hmm. having harsher legal punishments for any organization who receives public money and does not respond to lawful requests for their public records. Hmm. That explains a lot. Thank you, Alexandra. Of course. Thanks, Alexandra, for discussing your point of view and answering mm -hmm. Anna's question. Now I will be discussing my source and article that states wrong claims on domestic violence related to women. So in this article that I will be sharing today is an article that is against feminist and domestic abuse that has a connection with females. The article states that the domestic violence industry was hijacked by the feminists around 30 years ago. However, perhaps the most damaging process took place some 15 years ago, namely the fusing, the fusing of the domestic violence industry with the divorce industry. This is an example on how this article is giving long claims. They are choosing to blame women um, for their wrongings, but they, they, for the men's wrongings. I chose the source because it shows many different uh, wrong claims, like the one I have pro provided above. This claim is wrong because they try to make women look very guilty and like they are the only ones to be blamed for. This source encounters my argument by saying many false statements on domestic violence related to females. It states the reality versus the propaganda and what the establishment wants to hear. This article, which is related to the Na National Fathers Resource Center and Fathers for Equal Rights is adamant uh, in its belief that domestic violence cannot be tolerated. It states that it is a resource for both men and women and to make them equal, but clearly they are against women's rights and implying that more women are lying than telling the truth. When coming to domestic violence, 
Thanks for sharing your research, Nora. Of course. Considering other points of views and looking into opposing perspectives really helps us see what obstacles there are to solving this issue. And it also helps us understand the real complexity of solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you'll tune in for our next podcast episode as we continue to uncover the reasons why domestic violence continues to be an issue and what Washington State can do better to alleviate this issue. If you are currently going through domestic abuse or violence, please find help and call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. And that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you.